Curated by Future Forum, this is part one of the 20 Minute City podcast. A little longer than 20 minutes, a conversation with some interesting people at the intersection between their sense of well-being and the city we live in. Welcome to season two. I'm Dino Vrignos, creative director of Future Forum, architect and director of Dust Studio. Over this eight-part series, we're going to introduce you to some inspiring young people charting a course forward here in South Australia and beyond. The movers and shakers, the innovators and disruptors, the elite performers and the unicorn makers. They will share their story, their trials, tribulations and triumphs. And we'll have a bit of fun the way too. Hi, I'm Bruce Jitte and I'm the CEO at the Committee for Adelaide. Bruce fell in love at eight years of age whilst travelling with his family in Africa and immediately knew what he wanted to do, play football. As an elite athlete, Bruce has been exposed to a unique workplace, one where 50,000 passionate onlookers provide instant feedback. There, he learned the importance of resilience, discipline and standards, attributes that underpin his approach to his professional career and to life. Bruce's resolve enabled him to walk away from sports and chart his own course, one that allows him to have a different kind of impact. Still on a large stage, but on a different playing field, shaping policy for South Australia as the CEO of the Committee for Adelaide. And with that, let's get started, where we must at the beginning. Our 20 minutes starts now. Well, Bruce, so great to have you joining us for season two of 20 Minute City. Uh, it's a really exciting opportunity for us to share some amazing stories about people that are getting shit done in South Australia, um, and in particular, people that have charted a course themselves that's both here and abroad. And I think that's going to be a really interesting part of your story um, for us to take away today. So what we'd love to understand is a bit more about your story and how you got to being Bruce Jutte. CEO of Committee for Adelaide. Well, thanks for having me on. Really excited to, to be here. Born in the States. I was born in uh, Washington, D.C., 1987. Moved to Sydney when I was two and a half years old. Family moved. So my father was a lecturer at Georgetown University. Got a job at Sydney University. Family moved across. All my schooling life, everything uh, was, was in Sydney. Um, but when I was six years old, uh, we took a trip to the Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, which is where my dad's from. And we were there for about three months. So I went to school there for, for a period. And everyone was playing this game. You know, I had no idea what it was. Um, but I didn't have any mates. I got, an older, I got two brothers. I got an older brother and a, and a younger brother. And I thought, you know, if I want to make mates, I'll better get involved in what everyone's doing. And, you know, bricks for, to, bricks for goals, old shabby ball, dirt pitch on the street. Before school, at recess and lunch in the schoolyard, after school on the street till night time and dinner time and everyone got called in uh, back to their houses. Loved the game. And then on the flight back to Sydney, a couple months later, I, I asked, you know, do they play that game in Australia? Yeah. You know? Soccer, football, obviously was the, was the game, and, and my dad said, "Yeah, f- of course they do." So, joined my local club, Linfield Soccer Club, um, when I was seven years old. And by the time I was eight, I realised that's it. I know what I want to do. I want to be a professional footballer, and that's all I'm going to concentrate on. And everything else is um, secondary. And from from eight years old, um, I was really disciplined, hell bent on becoming a professional 
footballer. So get through a school trial for the AIS. I was one of those kids. I made all the teams. So I really had a, a relatively smooth sort of pathway, no knockbacks, to the AIS trials when I was about 16. And I didn't want to go to uni. I just wanted to play soccer, right? So that was my like ticket out of having to go to uni if I make the IS. And and not making uh, that initial squad was one of the big setbacks. You know, the NSL just was dying. A-League didn't exist yet, obviously. And, you know, my dad, you know, he was very keen on me to go to university, obviously being a, a university associate professor. So yeah, a bit of a crossroads when I didn't make that. I went to Macquarie Uni for a year, um, played soccer for a club called Marconi, very, very big Italian club in Sydney. Um, then the AIS structure sort of changed, went to an older age group and I got to try trial again. Um, this time I, I got in and from there, came to Adelaide United. Adelaide United was my first professional club. Again, came here on trial, didn't make it. Um, but I'd come back as an injury replacement player, then eventually got offered a permanent contract at Adelaide United, my first professional football contract. That was like, how awesome is this? People think things happen quickly, but since I was eight, I've been working towards it. And then things did start to happen really quickly. So played here for about 18 months, transferred to Turkey, lived in Ankara for, for a couple of years. Um, they went to Gold Coast. Clive Palmer had a team on, on the Gold Coast. Uh, initially, I wanted to come back to Adelaide United, but Nick Bianco, who was the owner, uh, ran into some, some difficulties. New owners came in to Adelaide United. I came back to Adelaide United. I went to China for a stint in between that time. But then spent, yeah, four or five, five years here, got married here, kids were born here, two kids. Um, and then after winning the grand final at Adelaide Oval in 2016, moved to South Korea for a couple of years. Um, and then in 2018, moved to Indonesia and went to a city called Makassar, which was a fantastic experience and was, was, was there for a year. And then start of 2019, retired. I had a few options when I did retire. One I took up was to work at Fox Sports in Sydney. So I moved back to Sydney uh, for six months. And then the director of football role was created by the club here in Adelaide. And, and the chairman asked me if, if I'd be interested in taking that role, which obviously I was. Um, and moved back to Adelaide. Perfect. I love this place. You know, it's always been a magnet to come back here um, and at the club as director of football for two years. And um, recently took up a job as the CEO of the Committee for Adelaide. So a bit of a sharp left turn there out of sport into something completely different around policy and, and thinking about the future of Greater Adelaide, South Australia, and been enjoying it. And in between that time, obviously, national team, soccer roos, Ollie roos. I didn't make the, the Olympic team for, for Beijing. But yeah, it's been a whirlwind 34 years, some may say. <laughs> We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with the rest of our chat with Bruce. In all we do, we strive for better. Better processes. Better relationships. Better outcomes. We challenge convention. And refuse to accept the way it is. As the way it should be. We are generous with our time. And with each other. Because we believe that giving is better than taking. And what do we do? Well, we are makers. Makers of spaces. Makers of solutions. Makers of joy. Making a difference 
to make every day better. At Dust Studio, we make better. So we've heard Bruce's story. And now we're going to talk some more about what that instant feedback is like from 50,000 screaming fans and what happens when you leave the playing field for good. What I would love to delve into a little bit more is the fact that you've had to train your mind and your body to perform over and over again at extremely high level. You're participating in team sport and having to move between places like China, like South Korea, like Indonesia, like Turkey. It's a very alien environment and having to assimilate with the culture of a place and the team. I'd be really interested to understand how that played out on your mental health and well-being. Yeah, look, I think uh, one of the key characteristics and traits of elite sports people is their resilience um, and our discipline and standards. Now, these are three key attributes that I think forget sport in business, in life, in managing relationships, etc., um, are crucially important. Resilience is like a muscle. Adam Mears told me that. And um, it's not till you actually work on the muscle doesn't get strong till it gets stronger, right? So it's not till you overcome hurdles or pick yourself up from knockbacks that you actually build resilience. Like, I thought I was resilient as a sports person and, you know, dealing with adversity and all the rest till I didn't make that AIS squad. That was hard. But it's probably the best, not the best thing that's ever happened, but that's an exaggeration, but it's one of the key lessons in my life and really helped build that platform for resilience. So when I came and tried down to Leeds United and I didn't get in, you can drop your head, you can blame others, you can do all the excuses, all that stuff. I was like, no, that's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to myself and everyone else that A, or they've made a mistake, or B, I'm going to get better and, and, you know, make it impossible for them not to pick me. I remember Tim Cahill saying to me in my first Socceroos camp, you know, always try and make it impossible for your manager not to pick you. Like, if I don't pick this player, what are the repercussions going to be? Um, that's where you want to be as a, as a sports person. That's what you want to be as any person. If you're in a workplace, how do you become invaluable to the organisation? Resilience is, is critically important. As a sports person, you're under a lot of scrutiny. So, it's the ability to control your mind and that is, a, a lot of times, quietening the voice in your brain, right? So, if you can quieten the voice in your mind, um, you tend to play better. You know, it'll help you in sport, certainly, but it'll also help you in life in, in general. You don't have the big peaks and the low troughs. Um, you stay on a more even keel. I'm very calm. Um, never panic about anything. Never get overexcited about anything. I think it's a very important attribute when it comes to your mental health and well-being. You need to have that self-reflection. You need to be able to have the discussion with yourself. Check yourself. You know, how am I feeling? Am I good? Am I stressed? Am I whatever it might be? Um, I think that's super important. And I think, um, you know, resilience... And, and these other characteristics are really key when you're under serious media scrutiny, right? Because game day, got the media. So that's TV, print. You've got your teammates, the opposition, your coach, and 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people 
all giving you instant feedback. When you miss a pass, they groan. When you score a goal, they cheer. So you really need to be able to stay in a zone. That's why people say like, oh, he's in the zone. You know, he's playing so well or she's playing so well. They must be in the zone. But it's that being in the zone, mental strength, you know, calmness, consistency, ability to take on responsibility, um, to perform, um, all those things are, are key. And without them, you probably don't become elite anything. Um, but arriving to that level can really help you post-football, during football, or your sporting career, whatever it may be. So we often ask about the secret sauce, and I think we're getting a little bit of an insight as to what that has been for you. And I think performing at a high level in different environments is a key part of it. Would you agree that that alone has been a key part of your success or is it a a range of factors, but that's a really important bedrock? I think it's an important bedrock, but I'm also very disciplined. So since a young age, um, I've always known what's right, what's wrong, what to do, what not to do. And I'm very good at um, having self-reflection. I'll always look at myself first for blaming others. And even when it's probably someone else's fault, I still won't blame them. I'll sort of take that upon myself. Um, so I was always a pretty good teammate. <laughs> I never yelled at, yelled by blaming someone else or, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, secret sauce, I think discipline's really important. It's really important. The ability to stay on the straight and narrow. I spoke at St. Peter's College this morning, funnily enough, um, about migration stories and, you know, what are some of the things or characteristics that you get from being a global citizen like I am or, or migrating not just to Australia but to South Korea, to Turkey, to China, these these places where there's different cultures, different norms, etc. Well, if you're disciplined and you're respectful and, you know, you recognise where you fit in the grand scheme of things, um, then you should be able to, to fit in almost anywhere. I feel like a bit of a chameleon sometimes, but simultaneously having a strong sense of who I am. So now at the ripe old age of 34, you've, you've <laughs> ended one half of what your career looks like in terms of being a professional athlete uh, and you've had some director responsibilities in the soccer football world. But now the pivot into the committee for Adelaide, I'd be really interested to understand how that came about and how your career to date has supported that and what you see the future looking like for you. Um, good question. <laughs> I love a challenge. So the committee for Adelaide, how did that come about? I was at a wedding of, of a good friend of mine and I was speaking to someone there and I was saying you know, that there was this role going. I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, might throw my head in the ring for that one. They're like, oh, you'd leave sport? And I said, yeah, why not? I'd say to my kids, for example, you know, you can be whatever you want to be as long as you dedicate yourself. Probably what all parents say to their kids, but I seriously mean it and believe in it. And then the reaction of the person I was speaking to at the wedding was such where I was like, you know what? If I stay in this role for another four or five years, I'm just going to be pigeonholed anyway because people will just label you as, yeah, he's a sports administrator or used to play soccer and then was in soccer and he only knows soccer. Um, but I think moving away um, was very interesting because no one believed it. Like it came out and a lot of people were like, oh, man, we're well, not enjoying Adelaide United or I thought you were going to stay there for 10 years or you know, I thought you'd be the next CEO at Adelaide United. So well, that was never really my ambition 
So you obviously don't know me that well. So you know, um, I think it's important to chart your your own your own course and not to allow yourself to be labelled. Taking on this challenge has been very. It's, it's been a sharp left turn. I'm not going to lie. It's been it's been quite a pivot. It's very different to to sport. Um, moves a little bit slower than sport, um, which. I get frustrated with sometimes, but it's sort of how the normal world sort of works. Um, I'm used to dealing with hard and fast deadlines. The game doesn't move. The, the game doesn't get delayed. The game goes ahead at the time it's been scheduled. And moving into this role, I think a lot of what I learned in that space, both as a player and a sports administrator, um, has really paved the way for me. I, I feel like you do get a bit of imposter syndrome. Don't get me wrong. I, I certainly had that. I was like, oh, what have I got myself into here? But those key attributes that I spoke about already before um, certainly help. And I think we're on to a really good thing now. You'll certainly hear a lot more from the Committee for Adelaide. We'll take more positions on things. We'll be looking um, more big picture. Adelaide, South Australia is a place with phenomenal potential and it just kills me as someone who's lived all over the world. Um, as to how slow Adelaide's been to fulfil its potential and the, the, the unbelievable roadblocks and ambition gets shot down here far more aggressively and far quicker than it gets shot down in any other place I've lived in in the world. And I think we need to start to change that um, mentality. And so having spent a lot of time travelling as part of the professional career, you still have found a way to pull yourself back to Adelaide. You called it, this has having a magnet effect on you. What is it about Adelaide specifically that you have chosen as a place you want to live effectively? Yeah, look, it's the livability of the, of the place. I've got two brothers. They both live in New York. Um, they love it. And I love New York too. But um, if I could choose a place to live, it's, it's Adelaide. Family is important to me, the most important to me, and to be able to get home in five minutes or ten minutes in the middle of peak hour, right, is is a phenomenal attribute that people take for granted here if they haven't lived elsewhere where it's a lot busier and, and there's a lot of slippage in time going to and from work and to and from meetings, etc. Very good network here, both professionally, um, socially, I love the people I interact with here. The people here are super friendly and there's so much potential. I think myself, the Committee for Adelaide and people like yourself and other organisations as well can have a significant impact on Adelaide because there's so much low-hanging fruit (laughs) to be harvested. There's a lot in Adelaide. I love Adelaide. I don't plan on going anywhere else. Bought a place in February. <laughs> well, that's it. We're putting some roots down because didn't have any roots before and we could have been anywhere. Um, but extremely lucky to, to be living here and, and really appreciate it for, for what it is and what the future holds. It's definitely a bright future. So that mindset shift within our citizenry, having vignette moments of Adelaide, like stints with breaks in between, have you seen a transition and you feel it changing? I don't think. I know definitely it is changing. Some of the key differences, obviously, the laneways have been awesome. What they've done with the Peel Street, Lee Streets of of the city have have been phenomenal. And I think especially the last four, five, six years, uh, the reputation of Adelaide just taken off, right? Because when I came here, 99.9% of people we're like, what are you going to Adelaide for, man? They've got a one-way freeway down there. This is a, what, 
stay in Sydney or go. Well, I'm going for soccer and they don't have one way freeway. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, I'll get here. I got a one way freeway. Well, it's just ridiculous. Like that ridiculousness has now gone. So it's starting off a low base, right? So we've gotten a lot better. Um, but I think the future is exceptionally bright with the way, um, we're going with defence, with high-tech sector. People interstate and people here, if they want to be in a high-tech, high-skilled um, space, defence um, and, and these sort of creative and emerging industries, startups, then the magnet for them should be Adelaide. And if we carve that niche for ourselves, then what's stopping us from being the San Francisco of Australia? right? That could be us here in Adelaide, right? So, I think we need to carve our niche. We are starting to do that and the reputation of Adelaide has improved a thousandfold in the last four or five years. As someone with with friends all over Australia and all over the world, I wouldn't say Adelaide's on the map now, but it's starting to be on the map in a global sense and that's a big and that's a big deal right so it's it's important that we do and and of course there's you know the ambassadors and the diplomats and the you know that there's a caliber of people that obviously know everything about South Australia and Adelaide and where it is and how it functions and what we've got here but I'm just talking about the broad general 20 30 something year olds teenagers you know it'd be great for them to have Adelaide in their minds when they think of Australia. And I think we're on that path. So we end the podcast, our chat as always, with uh, the big idea, or in this instance, just an idea. As just You don't want to sort of hype it up too much. You're a very calm, composed <laughs> person. So undersell kind of is the vibe from Bruce here. So what's your idea? Can I have two ideas? Sure. One is around renewables. And I know everyone's talking about renewables now, but I think we have a legitimate opportunity to be up to 400% renewable and to be a net exporter of energy. And by doing that, we will help attract international, multinational organizations because being clean and green and, you know, circular economy, etc., is a massive attractor. But we don't sell it well enough. You know, we're 70% renewables at the moment, massive growth trajectory. That's... that's a, that's A. How we do that, I don't know exactly. I'm not an energy expert, but I'm keen on getting some energy experts together and coming out with a paper on that. The other one is getting the trucks out of the city. So one of the first things I noticed when I got here was sheep, chickens on massive semi-trailers within five kilometers of the city. I'm talking Port Rush Road. And I remember calling my mates in 2006 and seven when it was all new to me and saying, like, man, there's these massive semi-trailers full of like sheep and I'm like five kilometers from the C CBD they didn't believe me and I'm like I'm serious right we need to have infrastructure there should be a ring around the city where those huge freight semi-trailers aren't allowed to enter um, how we do that is the tunnels again I'm not an infrastructure expert but let's get those trucks off that inner city seven kilometer ring. So they're two ideas that I'll, I'm keen to see come to fruition. So Bruce, thank you so much for having a chat with us today and sharing your story, mate. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Bruce for sharing his story and taking us through his city. 
If you'd like to find out more about Bruce and the organisation that he leads, you can do that at midiforadelaide.org.au. 20 Minute City is a podcast series created by Future Forum in collaboration with Dash Studio and City Mag. If 20 minutes isn't enough, head to future-forum.com.au for more from the people who make Adelaide better. In our next instalment, we chat with Eloise Hall, co-founder of Taboo. I guess my nature of philanthropy or wanting to use my education and my privilege for other people has come from privilege because I I didn't have to necessarily look after my own um, needs because I was really lucky and that I had parents to do that for me. And that really inspired, I think, the stages and the steps I took straight after high school. Just like that, our time is up. 20 Minute City has been produced on Ghana Country.